Hello and welcome to a podcast about murder. I'm Jem and I'm here with Freya to discuss yet another true crime story. How are you today? I'm good. I moved house so we'll have to sort of find out if there's any strange sounds about this place but should be all right and um, that's why there wasn't an episode as should have been because uh, it took ages to get the wi-fi set up and um, someone had ripped all the cables out of the place so guy had to come and put a new cable in was really annoying but we're here now (laughs) yeah we're back So today we'll be discussing one of Germany's most gruesome and disturbing cases that remains unsolved to this day, the Hinterkaifeck murders. I feel like we're really ganging up on Germany right now. We're really going like German this season. (laughs) Last one and this one, yeah. Yeah. Be advised that we will be discussing a rather brutal crime, two of the victims of which are young children, and we will also be discussing an incestuous relationship. So, oh god, I forgot that angle of this. Yeah. I forgot about that completely. Yeah. I had forgotten about it too before I started <laughs> researching this. Um, so yeah, just a heads up, if you'd rather give this episode a miss, then just skip it. On the evening of March 31st, 1922, an entire family was brutally murdered on their farmstead, approximately 70 kilometers north of Munich, not far from the small towns Groben and Kaifek near modern-day Wadehofen. The victims were Andreas Gruber, his wife Casilia Gruber, their daughter Victoria Gabriel, Victoria's children Casilia and Josef, and the family's maid Maria Baumgartner. They had all been killed with blows to the head with a mattock, which is a piece of farming equipment that's sort of like a blend between a pickaxe and a hoe. Hmm. Their bodies weren't found until four days after the incident. The creepiest part of this case is that whoever committed this atrocious crime spent three of those four days living amongst the family. Hmm. The killer, or killers, were never found. It's enough to give you the heebie-jeebies, just that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's a really unsettling case, this one. Hmm. Like, anything that involves sort of home invasion just freaks me out. Yeah, I know what you mean. In the months leading up to the family's murder, several strange things are said to have occurred around the farmstead. The family's maid, Crescenz Riga, had quit her job six months before the murder. The reason she reportedly gave was that she thought the place was haunted, as she frequently heard disturbing noises coming from the attic and often felt as though she were being watched. Hmm. In March 1922, Andreas Gruber apparently found a newspaper from Munich on the property. This was odd, as no one in the family had purchased such a paper, and none of the neighbours subscribed to this particular newspaper, meaning that it was impossible for the postman to have mistakenly delivered it to the wrong address. Right. Several days before the murders, Andreas apparently told his neighbours that he had found footsteps in the snow leading to the machine room on the property, but had found no one there. It's important to note that the footsteps led to the house from the forest, but there were no footsteps heading back in the direction of the forest. Right. So presumably someone had come and stayed on the property, yeah. but Andreas was unable to find them there. I wasn't sure exactly... The details I found regarding the lock on the barn door were a bit muddled, but either the lock was already broken, which meant that someone could have easily accessed the barn, or these potential intruders had attempted to break it. I'm not entirely sure what the information is around that, but essentially okay. there's, the lock on the door has been compromised. Yeah. That same night, Andreas heard footsteps in the attic, but found no one when he went to investigate. Andreas also reported that the second key to the house had gone missing. Andreas spoke to his neighbours about these incidents, although clearly didn't feel particularly worried, as he did not contact the police to voice his concerns. Andreas's daughter, Victoria, reported seeing a man in an army overcoat watching their house in the days leading up to the murders. One of Casilia's schoolmates reported that Casilia had said that the night before the murder, her mother Victoria had fled the house following a heated argument of some sort and had been found in the forest hours later. I couldn't find much more information about this event, but essentially all of these things sort of point to there being some kind of tension at the house and a lot of weird things happening that might already be contributing to a sense of unease at home. Mm. On the afternoon of March 31st, 1922, 
The family's new maid, Maria Baumgartner, arrived at the farm, accompanied by her sister to begin her new job. Tragically, she would be slaughtered alongside the family that very evening. Mm. As I mentioned earlier, the perpetrator, or perpetrators, of the attack went on to live on the farm for several days following the murders, not disturbing the bodies. Multiple witnesses reported having seen smoke coming from the family's chimney, and police later found evidence that someone had eaten food from the family's pantry. So weird. Yeah. Furthermore, the farm animals and the family dog had all been taken care of. Even weirder. I was going to ask you, actually, what you make of this, because on the one hand, there's this incredibly violent mur- these incredibly violent murders, and on the other hand, this person or these people are taking care of the animals. Mm. I think that sometimes it can go because like it can go either way. So with like with a killer or a serial killer, you can have either a person who has such disregard for life that they often start out killing animals or maiming animals and then graduate onto people so they clearly don't have that care for any kind of life or you have this mm. other kind of person who is very has a bond with animals mm. that is much stronger and doesn't correlate with their lack of respect for human life so an example i can think of is dennis nelson had his dog that he loved mm. a lot um the british serial killer and he had this very strong kinship with dogs and animals that he mm. had mentioned quite a lot. So it is possible, I think, for some killers to have to have that strong animal connection and not have that for humans. Yeah, I will also say, like, we'll get into it a bit later in the episode, but the nature of these murders seems particularly um, personal in a way. Right. Because it's so violent and you'd have to get so close to the victim as well. Yes, yeah, I see what you mean. So if it's a targeted attack, then it's kind of like, I can see, I don't know. Then maybe they're a pet, they're not someone who's technically psychologically, dis- I mean, obviously you're psychologically disturbed. I mean, obviously. <laughs> but technically not in that kind of serial killer way, like this is a specific attack on these specific people for a reason. Mm. And yeah. so... The animals don't necessarily deserve to be killed or to suffer in any way or this person could even know you know know the animals yeah. be intimate with the family intimately mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't sound right you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no but that's a good uh it's an idea to keep in mind so th- the killer or killers had even slept in the family's beds one of the witnesses even reported that the smoke coming from the house smelled particularly bad. So perhaps the killer had been disposing of something that could have given away their identity, although police were never able to determine exactly what had been burned in the family's fireplace. Hmm. We'll come back to these details a bit more when we discuss the potential suspects for this case. But it's interesting to note that this person or these people, as we were saying, clearly know their way around a farm, which is an important detail when trying to come up with a profile. Yeah. Michael Plockel, an artisan who had been passing through the area, also reported to have seen a strange man around the farm property at night, but was unable to see his face as he was blinded by the man's lantern. On April 1st, Simon Rieslander, a farmer who was making his way home after a day's work, reportedly saw two unknown people at the edge of the forest near Hinterkaifeck around 3am. He claimed that the strangers turned their faces away from him as he passed, so they could not be identified. Mm. Suspicious. The day following the murder, April 1st, um, coffee merchants Hans and Edward Shirovsky arrived to take an order, but left when no one answered the door. They did notice that the gate to the machine house was open as they were leaving, but didn't think much of it at the time. On April 4th, a man named Albert Hoffner came to repair the engine of the family's food chopper. Even though he found no one on the property, he undertook the repairs anyway and completed them in about four hours. During that time, he saw no one, but heard the sounds of the animals in the barn. That afternoon, a man named Lorenz Schlittenbauer sent his 16-year-old son, Johann, and 9-year-old stepson, Josef, over to the Hinterkaifeck farmstead to see if they could make contact with the family. Townspeople were starting to worry, as young Kazilia had been absent from school with no excuse. The family hadn't shown up to church that Sunday, and no one had come to collect their mail from the postbox. The mum and the daughter had the same name. 
the grandmother Sorry, and the daughter the have the same name. Yeah. Okay. Often she's referred to as young Casilia mm. to distinguish her. Lorenz's sons returned and said that they hadn't been able to make contact with the family. Lorenz therefore decided to go and check on them himself with some other concerned neighbours, Michael Pohl and Jakob Sigel. They couldn't enter the house as all the doors were locked, so they made their way over to the machinery barn, which was open. They were then able to enter the stable. It was there that they discovered the gruesome scene of the family's murder. Hmm. The barn was apparently connected to the house by a corridor. Using this corridor, Lorenz made his way to the house alone, where he discovered the bodies of Josef and Maria. The news spread throughout the area rapidly, and as a result, the crime scene was heavily disturbed by neighbours, and a lot of the possible forensic evidence was destroyed. The Munich police were alerted and made their way to Hinterkaifeck as quickly as possible. The police investigated over 100 people for the murders, but still could not find the perpetrator of the crime. This was largely due to the amount of people who had interfered with the crime scene before their arrival. The bodies and items in the house had been moved. People had reportedly even cooked and eaten meals in the kitchen, thereby contaminating any evidence that may have been left behind by the killer. Why is it with everyone and just cooking and eating in other I don't people's know. houses? Like, like maybe it's not that weird for the killer to do it if everyone's at this all the time. <laughs> but it's like for me, that's a weird thing to do under normal circumstances to go into someone else's house and just fix yourself a meal, <laughs> let alone like when they've been brutally murdered. But apparently, that's oh, just laughing. A thing. It's horrible, but it's just like what. <laughs> But they're not even... Are these close friends or are these just like neighbourhood sort mean, of acquaintances? I mean, I think it's quite a small town, so they would all know each other. Yeah, but, but I mean, I wouldn't go into like, like my neighbour's house and be like, <laughs> oh, damn, I'm so sorry for the, their loss, but I'm a bit I'm hungry. Well, I mean, the thing is, I wouldn't be going over there like, oh, they were murdered, were they? Well, let's have a little look-see. Hmm. Well, now that I'm here, I do fancy some like cheese on toast, so... <laughs> <laughs> but I mean... It is 1922. Yeah. And at the time, I know that in a lot of places it was quite common for people like Looky Lose to have a little go around. and. Yeah, I think given the time and the fact that this is a small community, it's probably more understandable. Mm. But to me, I'm just like baffled crazy. by this behaviour. <laughs> the police investigation was led by... Georg Reingruber. Police theorised that Andreas, Casilia, Victoria and her daughter had somehow been lured to the barn one by one, where they were then murdered and stacked in a pile. It is unclear how the killer would have lured them individually to the barn in the middle of the night. Some theorised that they would have heard the distressed sounds of the animals and gone to investigate, although a later experiment would prove that it was almost impossible to hear human screams from the barn in the house. Right, because so, I was going to say, I mean, it's kind of a crazy scenario to imagine they're being murdered one by one and then each time one of them is murdered, one goes to investigate and gets murdered and then the next one goes, oh, I better go check myself. And then it seems unlikely because, I mean, wouldn't you all go or I don't know. Yeah. If At least if, if two people didn't return. Yeah, exactly. I guess... But if you can't hear anything, it, it is odd to to think of them all just... Well, in a way, though, if you can't hear anything, I could then understand it's like, well, you know, Grandpa's taken a while. Is he all right? Like, I better go and check on him. Yeah, I but I think anything. it's more likely of them going in sort of smaller groups rather than... One by one. One by one. That's spooky. That's almost like a paranormal calling to the barn kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. But what I also find strange is that the daughter... Yeah. when would have gone so she might she she wouldn't have gone by herself right surely. exactly that's kind of yeah what i was thinking but yeah but would you t like if several people didn't return from a place would yeah. you would you take, take your, your child small child with you yeah. to investigate i guess you wouldn't want to leave them alone maybe but then the maid is still in the house yeah. with the baby True. so yeah is it's all just a bit odd and then that's the other thing. If you think something strange is going on, wouldn't you have woken the maid to be like, something, I'm just going to go and check it out, but you should be awake mm. with the kids just in case. Yeah. I don't know. 
So this begs the question, how was the killer able to lure them into the barn individually without alerting them to the fact that they were in danger, if mm. indeed they were lured there individually? Because I think the reason they think that is because if two people had gone, he wouldn't have been able to attack one. Presumably the other person would have tried to defend themselves. Yeah, like two people like could have taken... There needs to be like a reasonable... Yeah, one versus... Yeah. Unless there are multiple killers, in which case... Yeah, okay, that's all... Yeah. So, yeah, it's all just a bit hard to make sense of, I think. The family's maid and Victoria's young son were found murdered in the home. Young Yosef in his bassinet and Maria in her bedchamber. That's horrible, man. A baby. Well, this is the other thing. I'm like, why did you have to go into the house and murder a baby but he you was couldn't sleeping. I don't know. Yeah. Like you couldn't leave it like the animals or care for it. <laughs> it makes you think that it is a very personal thing against this family or someone just completely sickly yeah. unhinged. The family members in the barn had been covered with straw. Maria mm. had been covered with a sheet and Yosef with one of his mother's dresses. So again, this is a strange detail of like covering the bodies after killing them yeah we usually stuff like that and along with like closing of the eyes covering of the face is often like a remorse type thing or a regretful uh, Mm. action or someone who is a little bit ashamed of what they've done so this next detail is absolutely appalling but investigators were able to determine that young Kazilia had been alive for several hours after her attack oh my god as she had ripped out clumps of her own hair in pain. So it's absolutely horrendous. Hmm. The family's skulls were sent to Munich for more in-depth forensic analysis, but nothing further was discovered. Which is also weird. Like, I find it strange that they would have then presumably decapitated the Hmm. bodies. I don't know. Rather than sending the whole body for further investigation. Save on shipping. I mean, I feel like they should waive the fees in cases like these. (laughs) Yeah. You're right. Dr. Johann Baptist Almüller performed the autopsies on the bodies the day after their discovery and determined the most likely murder weapon to be a mattock or a pickaxe, although no such weapon was found at the scene of the crime during the investigation. There was evidence that someone had been sleeping in the attic. Hay had been strewn on the floor, perhaps to muffle the sound of footsteps. Furthermore, a rope was reportedly found attached to a beam near the window that someone could have used to enter and exit the house without using the front door. Hmm. Several roof tiles were also apparently disturbed or broken, as if someone had stepped on them. A year after the murders, in 1923, Hinterkaifeck was razed to the ground and a memorial to the victims was set up. The destruction of the house led to several new discoveries. Under a floorboard in the attic, the murder weapon, a bloody mattock, was found, as well as a penknife. Both of these items were tested for fingerprints, but nothing conclusive was ever found. Hmm. Police initially thought that the motive for the crime was robbery, and interrogated anyone who had been passing through the area during the days before and following the murder, such as travelling craftsmen and vagrants. However, when they discovered a large amount of money had been left in the house, they dismissed this theory. Yeah. I also can't imagine that it would, if your only motive is money, you wouldn't go to the trouble of killing literally everyone in the house like that yeah especially a baby who can't identify you yeah or the maid Um, who'd been sleeping yeah there's no reason to go and kill people who wouldn't be a witness or Mm. anything like that and also with such violence yeah extreme violence it has to be said that many sites point out that the Gruber family was not particularly well-liked by the other residents of the area. They were quite a reclusive family, and there were rumours that Andreas was a violent man who beat his wife and daughter. Hmm. He had also been accused of having an incestuous relationship with his daughter in 1914 or 1915, it wasn't entirely clear which year, and had consequently been sentenced to spend a year in prison. Hmm. Some even speculated that he had fathered Victoria's youngest child, Yosef. Right. Which would then, if the killer has knowledge of this, could perhaps explain why this young child is a target. Yeah. 
So many of the primary suspects of the case have some link to Victoria and are sort of centred around the issue of Yosef's parentage. After the murders, people speculated that the killer may have been Victoria's husband, Carl Gabriel. Hmm. The main issue with this theory is that Carl had reportedly died in combat during the First World War in France in 1914. Okay, well, that'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) It has to be said, though, that his body was never recovered. So people obviously latched onto this detail. And at the time, that kind of sort of record keeping and... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like possible. that weren't very perfect. So it is possible for someone to be reported as having died and not necessarily have died, just sort of not been, yeah. they couldn't track them down. Many people reported seeing a German-speaking Soviet officer in the area. They theorised that this man was Karl, who would have been captured by the Russians during the war. This would potentially fit the profile of the man in the army overcoat allegedly seen by Victoria in the days leading up to the murder. Carl would have returned from the war and discovered that Victoria had given birth to Yosef, who had obviously been fathered by someone else in his absence. Right. Yeah. In a jealous rage, Carl would have wanted to take revenge on the entire family, perhaps thinking Yosef to be the result of Andreas's rape of his daughter or her affair with another man. Mm-hmm. Carl would certainly have known his way around the farm, as he had lived there prior to his service. Again, though, many of the men who served with Carl in the army asserted with certainty that they had seen Carl die with their own eyes, which makes <laughs> okay. his survival and escape back to Germany quite unlikely, in my opinion. But Yeah, yeah. If there are witnesses saying they saw him die, that's a bit of a different scenario. Yeah. So the second suspect in the case is Lorenz Schlittenbauer. So you'll remember Lorenz as the man who had discovered the family's murder. Yes. He was rumoured to have been in a relationship with Victoria following the death of his wife. And many speculated that he was Yosef's father. Okay. His relationship with Victoria had been turbulent, notably due to Victoria's father, who disliked Lorenz. Lorenz had apparently even reported Victoria and her father's incestuous relationship to the court, but Mm. later retracted this claim. It's not entirely clear why. And I also read, I wasn't sure how uh, true this was, but... Apparently, you know, Lorenz was sort of willing to marry Victoria and her father was very opposed to this marriage. So I think there's a lot of tension. There had been issues surrounding his recognition of Yosef as his legitimate son and his refusal to support Victoria financially. Hmm. Witnesses present at the discovery of the bodies reported that Lorenz acted suspiciously. So you remember that Lorenz and the two neighbours who discovered the bodies had been unable to enter the property as all the doors and windows were locked. However, Mm. Lorenz was able to make his way into the house from the barn with no problem, apparently producing a key to unlock the door. That's quite suspicious. (laughs) He also entered the house alone, perhaps allowing him some crucial moments to check for any remaining evidence that he had failed to cover up. Yeah. So the key is an interesting detail, as you'll remember that the Grubers had lost one of the keys to their house in the days leading up to the murder. Uh-huh, but did they have three and give but him one voluntarily? It's also possible that Lorenz, as their neighbour, and having been in a relationship with Victoria, hmm. may have been given a key by the family at some point in the past. In which case, yeah, that would be explainable. Yeah. Lorenz's companions also said that he was weirdly calm around the dead bodies and didn't Mm. appear at all disturbed when they discovered them and removed them from the hay. Yeah, I I think I've said this before. I don't always put too much stock in people's reactions to stuff in the moment because I... I think it's so hard to predict how different exactly. And sometimes people just shut off a bit emotionally when something is so horrible. Yeah. That they might seem calm when they're actually just so horrified that they Mm. can't... That you've like shut down. ...express anything. Yeah. So it's the same with like 999 calls and things like that when, Mm. you know, I don't put too much on them. No, and I also think, you know, the flip side of this is if someone's too, uh, if their reaction is too over the top, then people will also criticise them for that. Exactly. Or think that that's suspicious. So when his companions asked him why he had gone into the house alone when the murderer could have still been in there... Mm. Lorenz said that he wanted to find his son, Yosef. Upon discovering the bodies in the barn, he apparently shouted, where is my little boy? 
Lorenz's behaviour and attitude towards Yosef is often seen as inconsistent. Victoria was allegedly suing him for failing to give them financial aid, and in the mm. years following the murders, when asked whether he believed Yosef was his son, he was unable to provide a definitive answer. But I don't think that that by itself is suspicious. Because no, because I think before this happens, he could have been unsure and, you know, maybe maybe not willing to commit to a certain level of involvement if he was worried that it wasn't his son and stuff like that. But still on some level believing. Yeah, yeah. when something like this happens, it brings out that sudden thing of like, this could be my son and he's been brutally yeah. murdered. So, yeah, I don't think that's crazy either. No. Whether or not Lorenz was responsible for the murder, his actions heavily compromised the murder scene, making forensic analysis almost impossible. And I don't know if he knew that. That's, that's another question, yeah. I guess. If he knew that he, if he, by traipsing around the house, that it was... Well, this yeah. is the thing. It's like, yes, it's suspicious to go into the house by yourself, especially if the murderer could still be there. But on the other hand, if I thought my child was in the house, I wouldn't give a damn about forensic evidence. True, true. Or to be honest, I think a lot of people, even if you weren't related to the baby, if you knew yeah. there was a baby in a house where the maniac exactly. had just attacked and killed everyone, I think a lot of people would run in there looking for the baby. I don't think anyone would be thinking about like, oh, I've got to preserve the scene. Yeah, no, I think I think that's fair enough. Lorenz would apparently make several comments in the years following the murder that were interpreted as deeply suspicious by others, as they seemed to be things that only the killer could know. Hmm. He was seen visiting the remains of the farm several years afterwards. When asked why, he made a comment about how the killer had attempted to bury the bodies, but had been unable to as the ground was frozen. This was taken to suggest that he had intimate knowledge of the state of the ground around the time of the murders, although it is... Again, worth remembering that Lorenz is the Gruber's neighbour, and also presumably a farmer, and would ha be well aware of the state of the earth at that time yeah. of year. Yeah, it is an odd thing to say though, don't you think? I do think it's very strange. Why would you say that even? I don't know. Well, like, honestly, if I came across someone who was standing at the site of a gruesome murder, and I was like, hey, Lorenz, what are you doing here? And his yeah. answer was, killer tried to bury them, but he couldn't. I'd be like, that's weird. That's a weird thing to say. But again, I can always see the other side of this because yeah. like, this would obviously be a deeply traumatic experience that I think he would be thinking about a lot. So mm. again, there's no easy answer to that one either. Mm. Many residents refer to Lorenz as the murderer of Hinterkaifeck. He obviously took issue with this and made several civil claims of slander, which he won. What do you think of Lorenz as a suspect? I think it's it, like on paper with the for motive. Mm. It's it's a nice juicy little story that makes <laughs> sense, doesn't it? Yeah. But there's no real evidence. I also don't see how or why he would then stay in the house. Actually that thinking about it maybe that does make more sense because he if he were in a relationship with Victoria perhaps he does have the intimacy with the house and the animals and he is a farmer so maybe he's cool maybe he's like or a farm based yeah. guy <laughs> maybe he has that kind of kinship with their animals kind of thing and that's why he would feed them and that's why he would stay on the farm I don't know I do see that, like, I think a lot of details point in his direction and make sense with the background. But then the other thing of this is, like, unless his whole family is covering for him, hmm. did he just disappear from home for three days? And yeah, wasn't, like... and also that time in the run-up to it where they're hearing... Because I, I believe, regardless of who it was, I believe that the killer was in the house several in the house and on the property several times in the lead up mm. to the crime because I believe those things happened with the footprints. Yeah, why would he need to be sneaking into the attic or living yeah, you know, with the attic skittering and the footprints and things like that. I believe that is the killer sort of either scoping out or being mm. weird. <laughs> Which and, he wouldn't um, need to do as a neighbor who potentially he wouldn't need to do that or 
it just it just asked the question of why he would do that yeah. and why nobody noticed him sort of going missing and I don't know. And I suppose people saw the people the people who actually saw a man or men around the property. It was always at night, so he could well have been sneaking out you know, at 3 a.m. That's a good point. I just don't... And then the um, other thing is that all of the doors are locked. So is it possible that he had stayed in the house then locked everything up with the key that he apparently has? And how did he acquire this key? Yes, but since we don't know whether he has his own key separate from the two mm. pairs that we know about, we can also assume that the ki- the killer, this other person who isn't yeah. him in this scenario has a key and yeah. so it's not strange i mean it's still strange it's still a strange thing to do but <laughs> it's possible that they have their have that stolen pair and are mm. doing that um in another scenario but i guess i guess i just find that part of it so odd for hanging around prior and after that yeah. i i don't know if it works with his motivations I feel like in a crime of passion like that, he would run away. Yeah. I see what you mean. If it's a crime of passion, you wouldn't... The The thing about this is that there seems to be, you know, before and after, as you were saying, a sort of premeditated kind of aspect to it. In those scenarios, in the, in the scenario where we're talking about a person who's usually mentally, you know, sane... Mm and has done this rage crime i think those types of crimes normally end up with someone skipping town straight Mm. away and then you'd be like oh where's lorenz yeah (laughs) i guess it was him then but then you'd never hear from him again do you know what i mean because it's 1922 and that's possible I don't know. I feel like this is such a close-knit community that they notice immediately when someone is acting strangely. And as far as I could find, no one was sort of like, oh, before we discovered the murders, he was acting a bit strange. Mm. So, I don't know. With stuff like this, there's often a story that's like, and Lorenz was uh, out of breath and he came to me and asked me for a... I don't know. Yeah, yeah. You know the days I mean? leading like, up, he was constantly asking about this or, yeah, yeah, usually hear something like that. But, yeah. I was just then thinking, if they know him, I mean, I suppose it would be weird in any case for your neighbor to be like, come check this thing out in the barn in the middle of the night. But if you mm. know the person, maybe you trust them and you can be led into yeah. a barn. It's crazy to me killed. to imagine that there are people that are happy to listen to us basically going <laughs> yeah but no <laughs> for like <laughs> 20 yeah, minutes we'll have to cut some of this. <laughs> just like yeah yeah, yeah that, but also no but also yeah <laughs> <laughs> but maybe <laughs> okay uh, moving on a man named Joseph Betts said that Peter Weber was responsible for the murders the two had worked together during the winter of 1919-1920 and shared a bedroom. According to Betts, Weber mentioned a remote farm called Hinterkaifeck. He knew the farm was owned by an old couple and their widowed daughter and reportedly suggested killing the couple to steal their money. Although, apparently when Betts showed that he wasn't interested in this, Weber completely dropped the topic. Yeah, and so. I don't know if this fits with the fact that there was quite a lot of money that was left. Yeah, exactly. So throughout the case, I've been sort of switching between saying a killer or multiple killers. Um, So now we're going to discuss suspects where multiple people would have committed this crime. So the first suspects are the Gump brothers. Anton and Adolf Gump were suspected of the murder as soon as April 9th, notably due to Adolf's association with the Freikorps Oberland, which was a paramilitary organization under the Weimar Republic. Their sister, Crescentia Meyer, claimed on her deathbed that her brothers had been responsible for the Hinterkaifeck murders. By this time, Adolf had already died in 1944, although Anton was taken into police custody. He was released, however, after a short time, and the case against him was dismissed in 1954 due to insufficient evidence. I'm not entirely sure why she claimed, like, what 
she claimed specifically. Yeah. Or what the motive would have been in this case. The family's former maid, Crescenz Riga, named the Tala brothers as suspects. She claimed that Josef Tala had visited her at night on the farm and had intimate knowledge of where each family member slept. He also knew that the family had a considerable amount of money. She claimed that Yosef was accompanied by another person, although couldn't make out who this person was. She later assumed that this was his brother. Again, I don't know if money is the motive <laughs> for this crime. So, mm. Yeah, any money thing I kind of feel like I can disregard. Mm. Not even because there's money left there, but because the, the actual killings just don't fit with that for me. Mm. Well, and because the money was left behind, it's kind of like, well... If that was your reason for killing these people, surely you would have remembered to take it with you. Of course, but like, even if there were money taken, mm. I still wouldn't think that that was the main motive because yeah. of how the crimes are. Crescenz also suspected Anton and Carl Bickler. Anton had worked on the farm during a potato harvest and would therefore have been very familiar with the land and the layout of the farm. She claimed that he had often said that the Gruber family ought to be dead. I couldn't find out why, if indeed he did say this, he believed this. She mm. also claimed that she had spoken with a stranger at night at her window, who she believed to be Carl Bickler. Another detail that Crescenz provided was that the family dog never barked at Anton, which was apparently unusual and could perhaps explain why the family's dog was able to live with the family's murderer for several days with no issue. I also, this is just a side note, but like, I find it weird how many people, strange men, just seem to be turning up at this maid's window at night to tell her weird shit. Like, <laughs> and she's just like, well, all right then. Good night. <laughs> Crescenz believed that the two brothers had committed the murder with a third man named Georg Siegel. Georg had also worked at the farm, and Crescenz claimed that during his time there, he had broken into the house to steal the family's valuables in late 1920 although he denied these claims. However, he did apparently make the handle of the mattock used to kill the family and would have known where it was kept, which is Made an interesting it. detail. That is yeah. pretty weird. But I mean, I mean, it's not weird, but... I mean, it's just strange to imagine that someone... Made it. Made <laughs> a, like a piece of farm equipment. But, I I, you know, for the time, I don't think it's that unusual. No, you're right, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> In 1971, a woman named Teresa T claimed that brothers Carl and Andreas S were the Hinterkaifeck murderers. She claimed that she remembered witnessing a conversation between her mother and another woman when she was 12 years old. The woman visiting her mother said that her sons, Andrea and Carl, were the murderers of Hinterkaifeck. Their mother reportedly said that Andrea had lost his penknife at the scene. And you'll recall that a pocket knife was actually found when the farm was demolished in 1923. Yes, it was. However, the family's maid claimed that she had seen it on the property before the murders, and it could have easily belonged to a member of the family. So police were never actually able to determine who the pocket knife belonged to with any certainty. So... Yeah, it's a very normal thing, I think, to have at the time on a farm. Yeah. But, you know, these kind of duos that you keep speaking of, mm. they do appeal to me because I don't see how... Because I've, I'm struggling to see a single murderer when it comes to the actual yeah. the actual murdering because of the mm. whole, like, they're coming out to the barn and there's loads of them and... Yeah, I, I just I, I'm failing to see how one person could achieve this. So I do like these kind of <laughs> brother yeah. duos for the crimes. But I I just the level of hate is just brutal. Mm. And the baby and I don't know. Wait, so it's I don't understand what the motive is. And if the mm. motive is money, for me, that's not enough to just to like agreed to explain the level of violence committed against this yeah. family. Is there any, are there any theories that involve Lorenz having an accomplice? Not that I could find. I mean, I guess it's not impossible that, no, but I then mean, it could have been just a mate that nobody knows about, you know, just sort of struggling yeah. with a one person type scenario, unless there's a paranormal element. <laughs> well, wait until we get into the other theories. <laughs> but yeah, the other thing is that, at the beginning of the episode, I said that Andreas had seen footsteps in the snow leading to the barn. Hmm. And depending on the sites 
I couldn't tell if it was one set or two set sets of footprints, which would okay. make a huge difference. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so unfortunately, I couldn't determine with any accuracy how many sets of footprints there were. Okay. But yeah, I think it makes sense that two people would be just because as you were saying like luring them into the barn i don't know but then also none of these theories address who was staying in the attic Hmm. or why that person was there so yeah some people believe that the hinterkaifeck killings were actually a case of murder suicide Hmm. due to the many years of abuse suffered at the hands of her father some believe that victoria may have snapped and killed the other members of her family before taking her own life alternatively andreas may have suddenly escalated his abuse to a new level and killed his family before taking his own life this theory is hard to believe as forensic experts determined that it was very unlikely that any of the wounds were self-inflicted if that the evidence worked for it i would like andreas as a suspect i think he Mm. sounds like (laughs) well he's an absolute piece of shit yeah so it would wrap up quite nicely in a weird way but i just think it's hard to bludgeon yourself to death totally and also then sort of and the fact that they're covered yeah as well yeah, bludgeon yourself to death and then cover yourself up with a <laughs> sheet, yeah. So the last theory that we're going to discuss is a little out there, in my opinion. But some people take Crescent's Riga's theories about the property being haunted a little too seriously <laughs> and believe that an angry spirit or ghost is responsible for the murders. What okay, do you but I mean, I like it because it fits with all the footsteps in the snow and the footsteps in the attic but Mm. there's also another theory that you haven't mentioned Mm. which could be you could you could give it a paranormal spin or you could give it a normal spin and that is forest man yeah (laughs) who just like you know man living in walls and shit you know that Mm. type of horror story yeah and just living in the attic and just a total maniac feral person just some creepypasta type yeah yeah which would make sense because of the footsteps coming from the forest yes exactly so i like that for a out there theory but Mm. i mean i do like ghost did it as well because then you can imagine this like really creepy scenario where they're all being sort of one by one they hear Mm. this the call of the ghost to the barn and then get killed but i think there's too much human (laughs) human (laughs) stuff all over this like well the fact that people saw men hanging around the farm afterwards or you know why would a ghost cook itself a meal (laughs) it does seem odd like that's that's what i'm saying like a person that's too yeah that's too human for me like cooking yourself a meal staying in the house feeding Mm. animals those are all things i associate with you know humans (laughs) i don't really associate that with like ghost activity i think if it weren't for those things if there was just the brutal murders and all the doors are locked and they don't know how they go out to the Mm. barn and that's the end of the story i would be like wicked that makes yeah a good ghost story i could believe that i Mm. mean i couldn't really believe it but i could get on board but i can't really get on board with it because of all the human (laughs) stuff yeah and also i don't know the fact that the murder weapon was like hidden under the floorboards as well rather than it completely vanished and we never found it yes yeah you'd feel like a ghost would just (laughs) i love how we made up these rules for like something (laughs) like this but it's like well a ghost would just vanish the murder weapon of course i mean obviously (laughs) but yeah so despite investigating over 100 suspects and ongoing investigations the killer or killers have never been found in 2007 criminal investigation students believed that they had solved the case based on their reassessment of the evidence however out of respect for the hypothesized killer's descendants who are still living they decided not to name their suspect hmm that's interesting i guess yeah it's kind of like I mean, I guess you have to mention it, but it doesn't add. 
much yeah. to the discussion of the no not really it makes me lean in the direction of Lawrence again yeah because that would sort of i could imagine his descendants as being the ones who would primarily suffer from totally yes and they might still be living in a similar yeah. area and stuff like that i think my rational brain just goes it was Lawrence, and he's a bit of a fucking weirdo hanging out in the house and he's a bit of a disgusting freak mm. but he had the motive in a way like he had an emotional connection to this strange mm. family and so it sort of makes sense it makes sense with the neighbors it makes sense with the farm animals mm. and all of these kinds of things it makes sense with the key so yeah. it does it all fits if you're going rational with it but for me, he would have to have an accomplice that we don't know about because I don't think a person, uh, unless you're a hyper-powered forest man, <laughs> could commit this alone. Yeah. And then it just, it makes you wonder what kind of a person could go along with something so disgusting and horrible. Yeah. But, yeah. But it's, I'm still stuck on, like, why they went out to the barn what could have caused them mm. to go out there and see what was going on without like alerting i think it needs two people it needs two people mm. a man on the inside let's say unless oh go on <laughs> okay well just little uh wild card thing here what if hang on let me just i can see you're building up to something <laughs> <laughs> let me just get these cogs working so like what if the man on the inside is also one of the victims? So let's mm. say, let's just say it's maybe it's Victoria. Mm. Lorenz and Victoria have this plan maybe, but he's on a different, you know, he's got a different <laughs> thing going, but she's helping mm. until the end. And he's like, actually, no, you know, mm. or, or maybe it's someone else, but she would sort of be like, I want to get away from my abusive, shitty family. Yeah. And he's like, no, I've taken this to the next level. You all need to die. Yes. Yeah. So, but then it, then it sort of explains how she's going to the, mm. uh, she could be sort of convincing people to go places and but thinking the, that the maybe. The thought that she would want her, or I guess she didn't want her in this scenario. She yeah. wouldn't have willingly led no, her the, children to... I think in this scenario, it would be like, in, in the if it would were Victoria, it would be something like she thought they were all going to escape with the kids mm. um, and just kill because she, you know, her dad, mm. stuff like that. And then it gets out of hand and obviously Lorenz has other ideas because he's a sick nutcase. Because then it leaves no... Then all their loose ends are tied up for him. Yeah. He gets the benefit of someone who's helping and then they get tied up in a nice little bundle. I could also see one of the duos, like of the brothers or people who worked on the farm, returning to it and knowing it well enough to sneak around and set themselves up in the attic. Although it's unlikely that two people would have but what's gotten the reason? away with that. What's the reason? Again, again it's, the, it's a similar thing as to why I struggled with Lorenz hanging around afterwards. Because in a crime like that, you get out of town, especially if you're two brothers on the road who've come from somewhere else. You're just going to leave if you've gone to kill this yeah. family for money. You're going straight away as soon as possible. You're not hanging out in their house. It just, I don't know. But I do like, like I said, I do like the kind of two two people duo scenario because it makes sense. But I don't know. Yeah. I feel like we're going around in circles. We're just bit. going in circles, I think. <laughs> I'd love to hear if uh, our listeners have any thoughts or theories of their own that they'd like to share regarding this case. It's such a sad, sad, brutal thing it's to do. It's absolutely awful. I mean, I feel I was... like I have, you know, I have been slightly light with the tone in some areas, but that it's just because it is so horrible. <laughs> I was telling Frey before we started recording, I was like, I chose this case because I, oh, unsolved, it's an old case. I'm always intrigued by those kind of cases. Mm. And the more I looked into it, the more I absolutely hated it. Yeah. Like, and I 
didn't enjoy like the more details I sort of uncovered I was just like Ugh. not that I ever like have fun researching cases like this but this one is was particularly difficult yeah. to get into yeah yeah there's a there's an in a level of sort of enjoy what's the I don't like know how interest. to describe this. There's a yeah, interest. There's a certain level of enjoyment from an interest perspective that you can get from looking up cases. But sometimes you get to a point where you're like, I actually don't want to hear about this anymore because this is really sad. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a bit of a low note to end on, but <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. We <laughs> hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel on whatever platform you listen to these. Mm-hmm. We're also on social media. If you'd like to connect with us there, we'd love to hear from you. And you can let us know your theories about what happened in this case. Yeah. So we're on Twitter at About Murder, on Instagram at A Podcast About Murder, on Facebook, uh, it's A Podcast About Murder with no E. And you can also send us an email at A Podcast About Murder at Outlook.com. And we're also on YouTube. If you search for the podcast there, you'll find us. Yes. I noticed that there's this new question and answer feature on um, Spotify because Spotify is linked with Anchor, which we use to upload our podcast. And um, I just noticed there's this new thing where you can ask like questions and the audience can like either answer multiple, like kind of like a voting system or can answer a specific question. And mm -hmm. um, I thought that was quite interesting, but I'm not really sure how it works. I've been trying to use it a couple of times just to put like, oh, um, vote for the theory or something like that and see if it works but yeah if you see one of those definitely engage with it if you listen on Spotify <laughs> I don't know if how we, if we figure out how to use that <laughs> yeah. feature look out for it I'm giving it a go and we'll see yeah we'll be back next oh, week oh yeah what are we talking about next episode next, next episode is a an interesting one because it's yet another <laughs> maybe not a murder <laughs> type scenario I can't actually remember what I literally don't remember what we're talking about next week so it will be exciting for me to discover that well i'll leave it at that and yeah hopefully we'll be back to a regular schedule as well so it should be out next week yes definitely all right well on that note all right have a good weekend yeah have a great weekend see you soon hear you soon no speak soon <laughs> all right i'm stopping that okay i'm